0: During the First World War, 27 officers of the Australian Customs Service served their country of birth or adoption in the military forces or in a support capacity. This is the life, service and legacy of one of those stories. Welcome to Laurie Favel's My Silent Hero, a Doc Network podcast. By the time Eric Benjafield enlisted in the AIF in early 1916, the sense of adventure which characterised those who joined in the early stages of the war had been replaced with a more sombre realisation of what lay ahead. The heavy casualties from the Gallipoli campaign had brought a new realism to the decision to join up. Yet, when this fresh-faced young man lined up for his new uniform, the full horrors of the Western Front had not yet been encountered by Australian troops. Eric William Benjafield was born on the 7th of October, 1893, in Latrobe, northwest Tasmania. Life in that beautiful part of the world would have been great for a young lad, Plenty of fresh air, good food, locally produced, and exercise of plenty all served to produce strong and healthy young men at just the time that the Empire called. Eric's father, Frederick Benjafield, was postmaster at Devonport West Post Office and wished to ensure his son had every opportunity to progress through life. It was for this reason that young Eric found himself a boarder at Queen's College in Hobart, where he completed his education. While he commenced his career as a civil servant in the young Commonwealth Public Service... Available records do not indicate definitely in which Commonwealth Department Eric served. However, the Australian Customs Department in Canberra clearly identifies a Bengefield EW as one of their officers who served in the First World War. Furthermore, the Australian War Memorial and National Archives of Australia records indicated only two Eric Benjafields as serving in the war, one of whom is Eric William Bengefield. Given that the other Eric is described as an orchardist or farmer from the south of Hobart, it is reasonable to consider that our Eric was the employee of the customs department. Eric appears to have relocated to Melbourne at some stage prior to his enlistment. The evidence for this is suggested from two sources. The first pointer to Eric's residency at this time is his pre-enlistment medical examination, which was conducted in Melbourne on the 28th of January, 1916. The second pointer is less precise voting age in those days was at 21 years, which meant Eric was too young for the election of September 1914, and, as could be expected, there was no electoral roll record for him up to that time. However, the next election that was called was the 5th of May 1917, writs issued on the 26th of March 1917, and the conscription referendum that was held in 1916. Troops, both at home and abroad, would have been given the opportunity to register and vote, and in any case, Eric attained his majority in October 1914. The only electoral roll entry is of a Eric William Bangerfield, note the spelling difference, in the 1919 roll showing an address of 195 Brighton Road, Elwood, Victoria. As this is the only Bangerfield of any gender or given name in Australia on an electoral roll between 1901 and 1936, it is reasonable to assume that this is our Eric and representing his civilian residency in nineteen fourteen, nineteen sixteen. Notwithstanding his whereabouts when he chose to enlist, Eric must have returned to Tasmania shortly thereafter, for family or military reasons we can guess, as his attestation papers were signed at the Claremont Camp outside Hobart on the 3rd of April of 1916. Perhaps it is well that he did choose to visit his family at this time. Nevertheless, he was soon back in Melbourne as part of the 120th Howitzer Battery. Training as a gunner, Eric Benjafield, with his mates in the 120th, boarded the HMAT Aeneas and sailed for Melbourne in early October 1916. They arrived in Plymouth on the 19th of November and continued their training in England until their deployment to France in March 1917. On the 3rd of April, Eric transferred to the 105th Battery, operating near in and on the 13th was severely wounded while his unit was engaged in an artillery duel. Sadly, he succumbed to his injuries and died the next day. The Australian Red Cross Wounded and Missing Inquiry Bureau took an interest into the circumstances of Eric's death. In their report, the following eyewitness statements were quoted. At Norrell, near Bullochore, April 14th, 1917. We were in action and gunner Field was wounded by a shell fragment, which caused septic poisoning. He walked to the dressing station, which was at the number three Australian Casualty Clearing Station, where he died at 12 noon the next day. He was buried in achille le Cemetery, about two miles from Bopon, and I saw the grave about a month later, when I went to the same CCS. Wounded, his great chum, Gunner Patton, sent his things home. 11628, Gunner, I, Robbery, 105th Howitzer Battery, 28th of August, 1917. I saw him wounded at Moriel Gully. He was caught by a gas shell in the leg and arm. I carried him to the dressing station where he died some little time after from septic poisoning. I do not know the place of burial and I cannot refer to anyone for further particulars. Eric William Bengefield was finally laid to rest at the Greville British Cemetery in Bourbon, France. However, for those that were left, this was and would never be the end of the story. Eric's family, as with tens of thousands of other families across the nation, would live with the memory of a son, husband, father who would not return. What's more, they would continue to receive official reminders of their loss from a government that perhaps was equally struggling with their own grief or guilt. So it was that Eric's family, similar to countless others, received the following official communications. The 1st of July 1917 was the first of many packages he received, from the certificate or the report of his death to his personal effects, a photo of the grave, his British war medal, a memorial scroll and king's message, memorial plaque and victory medal, to paraphrase To paraphrase King George, a brave life given of others in the Great War. Thank you for listening to this episode of Laurie Favell's My Silent Hero. If you enjoyed it, please subscribe on Spotify, Google, and Apple podcasts, or your podcast capture of choice. This episode was made in partnership with Laurie Favell and Doc Network Productions. It was written and researched by Laurie Favelle and recorded, edited, and produced by Ross Manuel. But for more information, check out mysilenthero.blogspot.com and for other podcasts made by the Doc Network, check out thedocnetwork.net. Thank you.